right, welcome to another episode of the Empowerment Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Josie, and this is the first time I'll be flying solo. My partner in crime, Mr. Spence, Mr. Petty, is actually having some car trouble, so he might join us a little bit later for this podcast, but that's not going to stop this show um, from moving forward. Last week, or last, yeah, last week, we had an episode we talked to, um, we were down in Atlantic City, and we talked to Shalanda. Uh, she had a book that says, Say It, um, until you see it. Um, so that was a great experience for us down there, the young ladies down there that they were doing their, um, some great things down there with those those children. Um, we got plans in the works. Hopefully, um, we'll be working together in the future with them on some retreats and some other programs um, with the girls down in Atlantic City. Uh, but today, I have to say, um, I have a special guest on here today, and we'll get into how we kind of met and, and, and our past and, and things. And we're going to talk about um, his book that's out, School Sucks. Uh, we're going to talk about that title and some of the chapters there in there. Um, but Mr. Pete Casalano, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks Welcome for to having the, me on today. Yeah, thanks for coming down all the way down here in uh, southern, southern New Jersey, I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good time finding my way here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we are kind of tucked away a little bit, but um, uh, I just want to dive right in. Um, you got a book here called School Sucks. What was the motivation behind writing this book? So, I mean, the title should have been Schools Suck mm-hmm. as opposed to School Sucks, but you know, you're trying to get attention to the book. Um, the subtitle of the book is really more important than the title itself. It's mm-hmm. Why Schools Are Failing and How We Can Fix It. Mm. Um, and Every one of the solutions that I have in this book would co- would literally cost no money. Mm. Um, it's really a book about focusing on different priorities than we do now. Gotcha. Uh, we look we look to uh, the surface level answers for solutions mm. when really most of most real solutions are are way down deeper. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, the years that I've spent at Eagle Academy, which is a school for at risk kids. Mm-hmm. You um, you have no choice but to get to the root cause of problems because you're not solving things with those kids on surface stuff. They're, right. they're way past surface stuff. Right. Um, so as I was learning things because uh, I was becoming a parent, I had a small business, mm-hmm. uh, a landscaping business. I was a former football coach. I was one of the youngest, 10 youngest coaches in the history of New Jersey. I was wow. 26 years old when I was a head coach. Probably shouldn't have been, but <laughs> they hired me anyway. Wow. Um, all these experiences uh, led me to certain answers from some of the strangest directions. Right. And as I was finding these answers, I'm like thinking to myself, more people should know about the things that I'm learning here. Right. Um, and that's how I started this. It was probably... I probably started writing it two or three years before it actually was published mm-hmm. because as I'm writing it, I would be learning more things and I'm right. like, okay, now I have to incorporate that. And mm-hmm. uh, so the book actually evolved over three years, yeah, but uh, the final so the final product is really about dealing with uh, or, or having different priorities than we do now. Mm-hmm. Now, was it that you had certain experiences in terms of the motivation behind the book or you just was in the profession feeling like we could do something different? Um... It really was about these experiences that I was having. And again, they were coming from different areas. Like I was thinking about things as a father and uh, my school experiences would help me. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about things that were going on in school and my business activities and experiences were were helping me. And things I was reading about business was helping me in the school and things. So everything was crossing at the same time. And then you start to find out, you know what? Um, there are no specific education tools. There are no specific business tools. There are no specific parenting tools. Mm-hmm. There are tools to do better. There mm-hmm. are specific tools, but mm-hmm. you will do better in anything. If you wanted to be better in sports, mm-hmm. it's, they're the same tools. If you want to be better in school, they're the same tools. If you want to be really good in business, mm-hmm. they're the same tools. So I'm looking at all these things. And I'm like, this is not, so, and, and I say this all the time, this is not just a book about school. Right. If you were starting a business, if you were in a sales department, this mm-hmm. book would be fantastic for you because it's the same skills. Right, right. Um, I'll give you a quick story of, of, of one of the reasons that I was like, I need to tell people about this. Mm-hmm. I had a student who came to me and he said, I don't understand why I'm being told uh, you have to respect your elders. He says, I just came out of a class. There was a substitute teacher, older gentleman. Mm-hmm. And the guy was telling me, I have to respect my elders. And now this was an 18-year-old student. He was about to graduate in a couple months. Right. He says, I don't understand. And 
I really just listened to what he was saying. Like I, I, I didn't look at him and think, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? You're 18. You don't know that. Um, I actually asked him, like, you really don't? You never heard that before? Right. Because it was kind of shocking uh-huh. to think that someone 18 never heard that before. And I went into why that is. You know, that man up there may have gone to war. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been through many, many experiences and things in his life that you haven't even come across yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done the hard, the heavy lifting of the stuff that you now enjoy. He right. lived in a time when there was no internet and now you're, you have it easy. Like he lived with encyclopedias <laughs> you're dealing with and he looks at you like you, I put the work in pal, you have it easy. Right. Um, so, so most of those, most people believe that those who come after them, they've set the path for you, mm-hmm. show me some respect. And then they'll usually gladly respect you back. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me like, Oh, that makes sense. Makes okay. Sense. And I remember thinking, did, did no one ever really tell him this? Now, we, I could blame the parents, and I gladly will. And in my book, I get all over parents. Right. Okay? I, I just tear them to pieces. But I can also look at that's something that I can say. Schools never got into that. Hmm. No, Nobody through school ever explained um, you respect your elders. Hmm. That's one of those things that I'll call, I'll call like a foundational skill. Right. Like you, that, that, that's the bottom level. That's, and if you don't have that foundational skill and other foundational skills that I talk about, where you, you can't, you have nothing to build on top of. Mm-hmm. So, I, and it, and it really clicked for him. He understood. He's like, okay, that makes sense. And, right. and he went forward living like that right. and it changed his life. But it would blew me away. And that's why I said, I gotta, I gotta, you know, write a lot of these things down. Right, I think right. it could help a lot of people. That's interesting. Cause I, in my um, presentation, um, I just did a priest, like we were talking off air, a uh, presentation on um, how to reach and teach today's hip hop generation. And the community that I grew up in, it was kind of opposite. Like, you know, you had to earn the respect of the young people um, before they would respect you. Um, partly because, all, part of it is too, because they're, they're looking at um, parents that are younger, as opposed to when we were growing up, all of the parents were older. Um, so that there's a, you know, a level of trying to figure out how am I going to respect somebody that really is only a few more years older than me if you really think about it. Um, and then, you know, my community was one where it was a sort of us versus them type thing. So you had to get the respect first before um, these students and the young people would go out and, and respect the adults. But um, I don't remember having those specific conversations, like you mentioned, um, growing up um, and, and dealing with some of the students that I'm dealing with today, I don't think a lot of people have that conversation yeah. um, with them. So I think it's really, really important for that for that to happen. Um, even in that conversation, I see the student, when he reflected, it was like, all right, I, I get why I should respect them. I shouldn't just respect the person just because I'm they're older than me, but yeah, there's, a, there's that, a history. Of right. It's what, it's what they've done in those years right. of being older than you. Right. You, you know, um, I think one of the things about respect that's uh, interesting, fascinating, frankly, is respect has been something that's kind of been weaponized as opposed to it being a gift. Mm. Um, I talk to my students about if, if, if everybody played the game of I'll respect you when you respect me, mm-hmm. if everybody played that, and not everybody does play it or else there'd literally be no respect. Right. Okay, because I can't give it to you until you give, give it, it to, to me, me right. then nobody gives it at all. Um, but when you do that, everybody's waiting in on edge. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you did the opposite, if it was like food that you couldn't eat, you can only give away, mm-hmm. and then that person can eat it, and then they had the same thing. We, I actually do this lesson with a Jolly Rancher in class. I give everybody a Jolly Rancher, and I say, you can't eat it, but you can give it to someone else, and then you can hope that someone, someone else, else gives it to you. you right. right? And they said, so we do that, and usually everybody gives it to somebody else, hoping to get it back, mm-hmm. and they usually do. And inevitably, and every time we do this exercise, somebody doesn't get one or somebody doesn't give it up. Right. And I said, now, if that was respect, what would you now do with that person? Right. And everybody goes, well, I wouldn't be friends. I'm like, oh, exactly. Right. It's a great way to really figure out who you want to surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, I, if I was constantly giving respect to you mm-hmm. and you were constantly treating me like crap back, I'd be like, okay, I'm done with this guy. Right. I, I've had enough. I'm moving on to somebody else which is absolutely reasonable. Right. If you're giving out respect to people and not getting it back in return, you, you should move along mm-hmm. and, and move on to somebody else and, and, and frankly cut them out of your life. Okay. So um, that is one, one of the things you right. know, we talk about. It's a lesson that we do. It ends up making a lot, a right. lot of sense. For I think people also need to learn a lesson of how to give and not expect anything in return. 
I think that's a huge thing. I mean, we living in this instant gratification and we feel like we need to do stuff for the fact that we're, we're, getting, we're looking for the return more so than, you know, right. giving the gift. There's back. a big difference between assuming something is coming back and hoping and something hoping comes, back, gotcha. comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, I would like you to respect me back. Right. But when I had this expectation that you will, you almost can only be disappointed. Right. I mean, unless it comes back exactly the way you want. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what another one of the things we talk about is like expectations. Like how I try to maintain zero expectations, right. whether it be like Christmas gifts or mm-hmm. birthday or... And, and you're always you're always surprised on the upside. Right. When you have zero and you keep your expectations really low, like, I'm going to do for you. Hey, if you do for me, great. If you don't, yeah. I'm fine. Right. I really – if you genuinely can get yourself there to mean that, mm-hmm. God, life is so much happier and peaceful. Mm-hmm. And then when you do get something in return, it's like, you know, it's Christmas every day. Right. Okay. You know? When I get that back from my students – because I don't have expectations of them, not in a negative way, just in a, I'm doing this for you. Right. We're going to talk about this topic for you. For you. I'm there already, right. but I'm doing this for you. If you show me respect back, great. Mm-hmm. If you find this interesting, great. If we have a conversation about this, great. If you're able to use it, great. Right. If you're not, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> like, I'm true. totally okay with that. I realize I can't reach everybody all the time. Right. I'm fine with that. That's right. okay. That's but I give it regardless. Right. And then when you do get some feedback, you know, back from them, or you do get some results, or you do get interest, <laughs> mm. forget it. Now you're now you're all excited and right. you really can take off. Right, that's it's a nice. lot of fun. You talked about tools, and you said that basically these tools are, are universal. Whether you're talking about business, school, parenting, um, what are let's say top two or three tools that you discuss in the book? Yeah, so I used to do a presentation on uh, you know a seminar on character development, like how teachers can develop character, good character traits, especially what I would call success character traits. Mm-hmm. There's lots of character traits, like kindness is a character trait, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily specifically going to make you successful. It's, I'm not, that doesn't mean it's not important, but I work in a school. I want people to be successful. Um, so I, I had five, mm-hmm. which was way less than most people, like the 15 most important character traits, okay. the 10. And I'm like, man, you're lucky if you get two. Right. So, but I narrowed it down to five, and then now in this book, I even bring it down to three. Mm. And, then, and in the end, the one most important is self-control. Mm. And uh, this is one of those things where I say, um, we, we, we teach on the surface stuff when the reality is if you want significantly better results, you need to teach all the way down at the bottom, right. all the way to the foundation. And self-control is a perfect example of this. Mm. Um, we want better results in math. So our number one instinct, the first instinct is to do more math. Right. Come at math from a different angle or give more math. We got math supplementation. We're going to stay after school for math. Uh, we have STEM and this, like it's math, math, math. math right. Okay. And guess what? Nobody gets any better at math because if you're, if you're uh, in a classroom and you're like, I'm not doing this work. Mm. It doesn't matter how much more they give you. Mm. It doesn't matter how much more homework they give you or how many tests they give you or how much that teacher bears down on you. If you don't have some self-control to say, even if I don't like this, I'm not interested in this, um, I don't really want to do this, mm. but I got to do it. Right. Sometimes we have to do what we have to do so we can do what we want to do. do right. okay? So this, that is a lesson or a skill that I would say foundational skill mm-hmm. that people have to learn. Right. Me and Kareem talk about it all the time. And I know he's not here, but we talk about having a why. And I think that's that's the next level below that, you know, that moment when you don't feel like doing it and those moments when you're not interested, what's going to propel you to make you want to do that? And right. so we, we talk to our students all the time and we talk and talk to people all the time about discovering what your why is. Right. And it's specific for you. I can't tell you what your why needs to be. Um, but it's got to be something that's going to keep pushing you forward. It's going to get you out of bed every morning. It's going to make you, um, when those difficult times, you know, it's not a question. I, I'm going to solve this problem because I know what this why is. Right. Um, and I think that ties in with the, the self-control thing. Because when you have that why, you will develop the need to have that self-control. Um, so that's definitely a huge one. It's the self-control one is, is, is big on so many different levels. Yeah. And one of the problems, you know, you talked about like the cell phones and social media and, and the internet and the instant gratification. Mm-hmm. It, um, that is one of like, there's great things. I mean, mm-hmm. the fact that we're doing this podcast right now is a great thing. Mm-hmm. The ability to communicate with people all over the world. It's a great thing. One of the negatives of uh, cell phones, internet, but really internet on your cell phone as opposed to like you having to walk to a computer is that everything is instant. Right. Everything is at your fingertips at any point. Hmm. Um, and th- when you get used to that, you know, you've had that since you're five years old, mm-hmm. now you're 15. If you don't get an instant 
answer to something, if you don't get an instant response from something, if I can't figure it out within the next 30 seconds, I give up. Hmm. That's that's the total opposite of self-control. Right. Sometimes you have to stick with something for days, weeks, right. months, years before you get results. Right. And that is one of the, I mean, just the most amazing problems that you see today with students is mm-hmm. their willingness to give up if it's not obvious and immediate. Adults do the same thing too. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I just see it in my face every <laughs> right, day yeah. with the students. You know, you're like, give, God, give it a give it a second. Right. You right. know, maybe hang on for a minute. Right. You know, even, try it one more time. One more time. You know, right. yeah. Even one more seconds. With this podcast, I, I kind of went through the same thing. It was something to start out in the beginning. And I think we started it maybe five months ago, and we, and and it took different shapes and forms. I had different people on here, and then, and I just kept pushing and just kept pushing and meeting new people and the new opportunities. You just got to keep keep grinding i put i do this thing called today's lesson i put it on facebook this morning and and, and it speaks to that point and it said um I what, saw it. what did get, i say get, get to acting get to yeah, it yeah basically you gotta um in order to win you gotta go in is what i said yeah. <laughs> and you know and, and the people are so quick to give up like you said because of that they want that instant success and, and my argument is even if you got the answer you're the the power of that's going to last so short yeah. it's going to be short-lived Whereas if you work at something and you learn the pitfalls and you learn how to fall and you know how to fail, that you know that that, that will take you a, a lot further. I think people give up way too easy, um, and I and specifically students. As we were talking about that, I just gave a speech to a, a bunch of kids and I said, "Let's take a look at Harriet Tubman, for example." And we talk about beast mode. Everyone's like, "You know, you're in beast mode, beast mode." And I said, "You guys are not in beast mode. You're in little kitty mode right now. You're not in beast <laughs> mode." I said, "Harriet Tubman, you know, here's a lady that you know freed these people from enslavement, walked." There's no plane, no bus, no, you know, she walked with her life in danger to the north and then went back down there 19 times. I said, that's beast mode. Yeah. I said, today you guys got the greatest invention known to man. It's called Google. You know, you mean it's something I can look in Google and find an answer and, and, and figure out how to solve this problem. And you, you still quit when you have that, you know, you don't have the right answer. And then you have all these other resources, these teachers around you. And I had to break down to my seventh and eighth graders. I said, how many, we talked about math. So how many math teachers are in this building? They said one. They thought they just had that one teacher. So I said, if Mr. Such and Such is speaking Greek to you and you don't understand it, where do you go after that? They had no clue. They was ready to quit and give up. Right, exactly. And I said, one, you don't have a why. And I said, two, you got to realize the resources that you have around you. Right. Right? So we talk about going in. Today, I don't understand. Everyone should be successful business people. Everybody should be successful everything you want because you have so much resources and so many people around you. Instantaneous. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to make phone calls anymore. It's all right there. You know, you you said beast mode. And immediately in my head, I think Marshawn Lynch. Right. And then you bring up Harriet Tubman Mm -hmm. and and just what what she did. And the word that popped in my my head immediately is uh, relentless. Mm. Like, think of, like, if, if you've ever seen Marshawn Lynch play, mm-hmm. you've ever seen him run with the football, I mean, the word that comes here, he's just relentless. Right. Someone who's in beast mode is just relentless. And um, that's just not what's going on. In other words, you know. Um, so I do, you know, I do a presentation where I talk, I call it the, uh, the transformation of the F word. Mm-hmm. And I take three F words, and I know people's minds always, you know, start spinning. They're like, where's, where's he going with this? Right. So one of the F words is failure. Mm-hmm. And I say you turn failure into feedback. Mm-hmm. Something that I heard a while ago, and it makes total sense, it's only failure if it's final. It's only truly failure if it's the last time you're doing it. Right. Otherwise, it's feedback. Otherwise, you take it, you, you say, this is what went right, this is what went wrong, adjust it, and try it again. Right. And then you, and then you, you may fail again. There's a story about Twitter. I saw an interview with the, one of the founders of Twitter, and there, there was an article that had just been written about Twitter about how it was this overnight success. Hmm. And um, he, he's being interviewed and he's saying, yeah, I saw, I saw that article. It was pretty funny. He says, uh, you know, they don't talk about how we started that and within three months we were out of money mm. and we shut it down. And then we got a couple bucks together and it was six months. We were able to last for six months and uh, then, then you know, it, it just was nothing. Nobody was interested and we shut it down. Right. And then we had some feed money, some angel investors and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, you know, funny thing is seven years later, we were an overnight success. Mm. And I was like, that's, nobody sees that, that stuff. Uh-huh. Nobody sees that, you know, when LeBron James was seven years old, he's taking 4,000 shots a day. Mm-hmm. You don't see the grind that goes on behind the success. You only see the success. I'm like, oh, I want that. Right. You know, there's a lot that goes into that seven years right. before Twitter was ending. You know, the, the kind of commitment, relentlessness that right. it takes 
to stick with something seven years that's not going real right. well, that's that's what's being successful. Here's the funny thing. There that, are no overnights or very, very few overnights. That part is actually easy. Maintaining it is the hard part. So you take a look, take a com- look at a company like Facebook. They're constantly writing codes. They're constantly coming out with new stuff. We don't really see all that right. stuff. They'll test it out. It doesn't work. There's probably 100, probably more than 100 um, different codes and platforms that they come out within Facebook within a month. But, you know, we'll end up rejecting yeah, most of them. Yeah. Right. So you have to be able to maintain uh, that level of success. And I tell my students this, too, but and adults, but um, I said anyone can get 100 on a test. One test is easy. You study your butt off and get that. But can you do that every single time? Right. You know, I said I have a saying that successful people do what average people won't. I said, oh, all the average people, yes, I can study my butt off to get this 100, and then I'm back down in the 60, 50, 40s, or whatever, because they can't sustain it. Um, I think that's a a huge trait that everybody needs to be able to do, even parents. You know, you fail as parents. Right. (laughs) All the time, I'm failing as a parent. I'll try something that doesn't work, and then I got to work something else out. Right. And could you imagine, oh, I forget it. Uh. You know, when when your son or daughter was, you know, uh, maybe 9, 10, 11 months old, and they're just starting to like stand up. And the first time they went to walk, they fell. Mm. And you're like, ah, forget it. They're never going to walk. I mean, you would never, never do that. Do that. That's right. utterly ridiculous. You're going to try again. Come on. You pick them up and they, and they go again and they fall again and you do it over and over. Because mm-hmm. you know, the only reason you do it because you know sooner or later they're going to walk. You have some, you have confidence that they're going to walk. Um, it, w- that's one of those problems is that we just don't see Hmm. You know, maybe we're maybe today we we do a poor job of uh, you know painting a really good picture for kids to see like this is why you're doing it. Hmm. You know, um, and and they just don't they just don't see why. Hmm. They, they, and like you're saying, their lies just really aren't there. Uh, yeah, they That's, can't make those connections. Yeah. You know, I had a student who came down to me. Uh, I was you know in in June, he came down. He's like, ah, I just walked out of my math final. And I'm like, why? He's like, I'm gonna fail. I go, do me a favor, go back up there and finish the test. He goes, it doesn't matter. I'm going to fail. I go, I don't care if you fail the test. Just go up there and finish it to finish it. He goes, why? He goes, I said, because the person you'll be for having finished it, forget the grade. The fact that you stuck it out and saw it all the way through, that actually changes you. Mm -hmm. You're a different person when you see it all the way to the end. Even if it's a disaster, at least you saw it all the the way to the end. There's benefit in that. There's a payoff in that. People have a really hard time connecting those two things. Mm-hmm. That sometimes the work is good for you just for the work. work right. The fact that you did, did the work, that right. you, you were grinding it out. Right. Um, you don't. You just don't see them. My buddy would say it all the time. Like he's outside chopping wood at you know eight, nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? And he would say, this is his all, all the time. Ah, uh, builds character. <laughs> you know, he means it. Like I know he's half kidding, right. but he also means it. Like I'm a stronger person right now because I was chopping wood. Right, right, right. And he's a pretty tough hombre. So I even went through that process with my book. <laughs> like I went through the book, the process of um, not finishing it am I going to be able to finish it and then I got to a point where it's like I just need to finish it just to finish it right I don't even care if it sells you know whatever it sells I just need to finish it and then that just made it all right what's the next thing I can finish yeah and then go on to the next thing where's the next thing I could finish um I did want to go back you said something about confidence yeah. and I think a lot of people are afraid to try different things and to try to be that relentless worker because they don't have the confidence. They don't yeah. believe that they can do it or somebody has beaten them down at some point. Um, and how can we develop confidence in, in, in people in general? Yeah, so um, there's there's two different things there. There's how can we help others be confident and then how can you be, be become confident right. yourself individually, which is infinitely harder. Mm-hmm. Um, some people say it's not, but I think it's infinitely harder. I think it's actually pretty easy uh, to help someone else become um, confident. Um, so back in like the 70s, there was this push to uh, uh, increase, uh, s- um, not self-confidence, but the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like self-value, mm-hmm. like I'm important, you know, I can't think of the word right now. Um, and it, it ended up being a huge mistake because it caused uh, kids to be real narcissistic. There were mm. studies done that they became narcissistic simply because I have that. I exist, so exist. I'm special. Right. Right. And I said, if you really want to uh, help kids to become confident, then what you really want to do is is look at their performance and be able to say, point to something specific mm-hmm. and say, this is what you did. It's not you're special. Mm-hmm. There's nothing attached to Attached-ness, it. It's just right. like air. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if I can say, you did this, like you did a great job cleaning your room. Mm-hmm. Now there's an actual context to that. It's right. like, huh, I did do that pretty good. Right. Like if I just tell you, hey, you're, you're, you know, you're a really good guy. Mm-hmm. 
It's like, okay, well, maybe, but why? Why would you even say that? that? Right. But if if, it, if I said, you know, you're a really good guy. See the way you treat your wife. Mm. She's happy all the time. She's clearly enjoying herself. Like you must be a good guy. You, you know? don't. You don't. You just met my wife, so you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making that up. She may not. Um, you know, you can now attach it to something specific, and right. now you now you actually have like a platform to build off of. Mm. Um, so that's one way to really, it's probably the best way to help somebody else. Cause somebody else, you know, if one of your students or somebody, you know, whatever the case may be, you don't look at your life and, and do an honest evaluation of what you're doing good and what you're doing bad. Most people can't cause we're just emotional animals. We're mm-hmm. not, oh, you know, we're not rational all the time. So if I said to you like, Hey, that's really special. I see a lot of people. They're not really great to their wife. They think they are, but they're not the way you are with her. That's awesome. Right. That you probably were never looking at it like that. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, wow, that's something to build off of. Mm-hmm. You do this with students all the time. Um, and it doesn't even have to be like grade oriented. It could be just effort oriented. Right. Like, I saw how hard you worked on that test. Not like, hey, you're great job today. In uh, mm-hmm. what? what? Right. Hey, I saw you working your tail off on that test, man. That's going to pay off. Right. It's, you can see it in their eyes. You right. can see it in their body language. Their shoulders back up, their chest pops out, and they're like, really? Mm. Yeah. You think that's not going to pay off? Look around. Everybody's not working that hard. Mm. Mm. Everybody's not. That hard work, that's going to pay off. Great job. Right. Oh, you see, everything changes. Everything absolutely right. changes. I think you also hit on a great point, not only just for educators, for parents, though. I think we need to start playing off of our students and our children's strengths. Instead yeah. of highlighting the weaknesses in the areas sure. that they're doing wrong. Um, and the whole educational system in general, it's all about highlighting weaknesses more so than, than strengths. You know, we look at park scores. Oh, well, they're not proficient in math or whatever the case. It's always a negative uh, connotation instead of going off of, you know, what the strengths are. Um, even some of our grading system, you know, it's, it goes from, let's say, zero to 100. And we, we deduct points instead of saying you earn this much points. Right. You say you, you, you know, didn't earn that much. You know, exactly. it's a negative thing. So I think we need to start playing off the strength <laughs> of our students and off the even ourselves as individuals. Like we, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to come up short. But there's, we're phenomenal people. We're supposed to be phenomenal. There's something great about everybody. Right. So once we start playing on those strengths, I think the confidence level starts to go up. And then you'll start to see, hopefully, work ethics starting to change a little bit. So um, playing on, on strengths is a huge, huge thing. Yeah, so that's one of, the sec- one of the solutions that I have in the book is getting back to uh, advocating for the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if this podcast is successful... It's not because it's a podcast and it's not going to be just because of content. It's mm. going to be because of who you are, mm. what you put into it, that thing about you that makes this a good podcast. Mm. It's not just going to be like, hey, he had Pete Colasano on his podcast. He's got to be awesome. Right. It's the conversation that we're having. It's what you bring to it. It's what it's what we hear. It's the you in this podcast that makes this podcast successful. Right. Um, that is something that is not emphasized and I would love to see, like, that's exactly what you're talking about, is a, this idea of, like, each of us has our, our set skills, things mm-hmm. that we're really good at. That should be, um, you know, impressed on as opposed to suppressed. Right. And I think too much we try to, like, this is how things are supposed to go for you every day. <laughs> 30 kids in a classroom, you're all supposed to do it this way. And that's a mistake. Right. It's a mistake. Seth Godin calls it, like, the artist within. We have to, you have to release the artist within. Each mm-hmm. one of us is an, is an artist in, in different ways, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we need to bring that artist or at the very least allow that artist to come out in each one of us, the individual to come out in each one of us. Right. And then, and then their, their skills start to build so quickly mm. when you're allowed to be you, when you're allowed to do you, you you know, things start to show up and things start to happen that people didn't really even think were right. possible. Right. And, and what better is if you didn't think they were possible, right. now you do. And I think schools and businesses need to learn how to let their employees and students be themselves. Especially, you know, the adults, when we talk to students, they we're always trying to fit them into, like you said, some sort of a box for them. And letting, instead of letting them be themselves, even if you're running a business, your employees should have space to be themselves yeah. and, and let their strengths shine and, and not say, you know, this is what a leader is supposed to look like and this is what this is supposed to be. Um, I can't stand when we put people in boxes and, and say, this is this, this is all you're going to ever amount to and this is what you're supposed to behave this way and act this way. Because yeah. um, it's so limited and it destroys them. You know, it destroys the confidence. It destroys, now I got to be somebody that I'm not. You know what I'm saying? In order yeah. to be successful in your classroom, for example, or in your business. In schools, teachers are affected by this the most. 
I mean, kids kids can kind of be themselves. Kids, you know, when they're younger, they really want to be themselves, so they're better at being, being themselves, <laughs> right? But teachers, through observations, through evaluations, through you know every different thing that we're asking of a teacher, and I'm not saying not to. You should be asked a lot of, but it should be about results, right. okay? Um, we try to say this is how you do things. Well, that may not work best for me. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, I'm, uh, you know, I like to have fun in my classroom. I'll use sarcasm with my kids. I, you know, we ta- I was taught from the time I was in college, you don't use sarcasm in your classroom. Well, that's not true. Right. If you use it correctly, correctly, your students know you're being sarcastic. And if you're allowing them to be at least somewhat sarcastic back with you, yep. okay, it's not okay for me to bust you if I don't let you bust me back right. a little bit, okay? And if you don't realize, like, this happens with, like, texts mm. or, or comments on Facebook a lot of times, like, it's hard to tell is someone kidding or are they being it serious? Because right. if they're serious, this is a problem. Right. If they're kidding, that was pretty funny. Right. Uh, you know, and you know, so I just got offended. Like, dude, I'm, I'm kidding. Right. You know, like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, then that's funny. Um, so I'm able to use sarcasm in my classroom because, uh, you know, students get it. It's fun. We have a good time and it keeps things moving along and, mm-hmm. and light. There are other teachers just in my building alone. If they tried to use sarcasm, it'd be an utter disaster. Mm. Uh, they just, it's just not going to work for them. With that said, there are things that they do. I, mean, I have this one teacher in, in mind who she's very direct. She's tough, but she's fair and she's honest. Right. She doesn't have many discipline problems because they all know exactly what's expected of them at all times. There's no confusion. I couldn't teach like her. Mm. She's really good at it and gets great results mm. doing it her way. If I tried to do that, I'd, I'd be an utter failure. Mm. If she tried to do what I do, she'd be an utter failure. Mm-hmm. But we're both successful because she does. she plays to her individual strengths. I played in my individual strengths, and then the kids went. The kids get a little taste of something very different. Hey, you're going to get a boss someday that's just like her. Mm. And then you might get a boss someday that's just like me. Right. You know, you mentioned leadership. Some leaders are really talk, you know, do a lot of talking. You know, that's kind of my style. Like, we're going to talk this out, and I'm going to walk you through. Mm-hmm. And other, other leaders, you know, they just give you a look. Right. Derek Jeter wasn't a real chatty guy. <laughs> right. But they called him the captain. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no mistake who the leader of that team was. There was no question. Like, well, I'm not, I don't know who's running this team. Mm-hmm. There was never any doubt. Different styles, both work because it's you. Mm-hmm. It's you doing that. Right, so. right. I want to get into leadership just a little bit. Um, I, I, Malcolm Gladwell talks about um, having the right people on the, the bus. And I think that's such a huge um, thing. And when you run an organization, uh, my leadership style is if you don't see me, then you're doing a great job. I, you know, if I hired you, I expect you to, to perform a certain way in the classroom. Right. I shouldn't necessarily have to be in your classroom all the time because I know what you're doing. But if you see me constantly sometimes in your classroom, then, you know, I have a problem with you. And we're going to talk about it. But my presence, you're going to know that there's going to be an issue. Um, I just think that Again, it kind of ties back into letting people be themselves and letting them play to their strengths, uh, which is really, really important. Um, But just to tie it all back in, our students and young people need to know what their strengths are. Um, I think that's a big problem, too, because a lot of them really don't know what they're good at. You know, right. and, and thus they don't know what they want to do when they get older and, you know, this big ball of confusion happens and then they don't have a wide and you get poor grades, you get discipline problems right. and all kind of just wraps up together, um, which is really interesting. So the, the truth is most people would prefer that style of leadership in their leaders mm-hmm. that you were just describing. This idea of, you know, I expect you to do your job. That's why I hired you. I hired you thinking you can do your job. Mm-hmm. And, and as long as you are. We're, we're just going to talk about, you know, logistics. We're not going to get into everyday right. mechanics. Right. Right? Um, but if, you know, micromanagers, it doesn't really work as well. Now, micromanaging works really well in the short term mm-hmm. because I'm going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. And you're going to mm-hmm. do. Those always fail or at least turn bad. And uh, I'm not going to say laissez-faire, but more like hands-off leaders always do well in lo- better in the long term for one reason and one reason specifically, and that's control. Every human being, um, on a very basic level, psychological level, way down deep, we all want to at least think, whether we believe it or not is a whole other thing, or whether it's true or not is a whole other thing, but we all want to think we have control. Mm. And the more control we think we have, the more productive we're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why, like, say, like, uh, you know, the Russians were unsuccessful against the Americans because 
we're fighting for an idea of freedom and, right. and they're fighting because they got a gun to their head. Right. There's no control. Mm. Whereas freedom means I get to do what I want. I'm going to fight for my ability to control my life. Right. You're just fighting because someone said you're going to fight or I'm going to kill you. Right. And it never wins. Mm. And there are short-term victories in that. And that's why I say like a micromanager in a short term, things will look okay. But in the long run, they never work because you're turning so many people off. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, that, that's one of the things that I, I talk about all the time is you got to let people do their job mm-hmm. and, and then evaluate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the things that I talk about with other teachers. Like I would, I would, I would, why would I, I'm a, I'm a phys ed and health teacher. Right. Why would I tell a math teacher or a science teacher how to teach science or math? Like I, I, what the heck do I know, I don't know about it? Right. But I do know what results look like. Mm-hmm. And if your results stink, we're going to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about this because something is wrong and I bet it's not science. Mm-hmm. Now, and if it is science, then that's really on me because I hired you mm-hmm. or somebody around here hired you. Right. But you got to let people do their job. And it's the same. We, we do this. I do this with students all the time. One of the biggest changes that I saw in a classroom, because getting back to this idea of like people just want to have some control, is choice. Giving students, giving anybody, but we're talking about classroom, giving students choices even, and this is what like research shows this, even if the choices are, are, are like my choice or this incredibly bad choice that no one would ever pick, right? right? Like you're never going to pick choice B and choice A is my choice, right. is what I want you to do anyway. Right. Even in, those, in that ridiculous gap of the choice, people at least feel like they have a choice and they are happier. As, as, as impossible as it would be, to pick choice B, hmm. at least they know they could. Could right. And and here's so I'll give you an example. It's like do this assignment, or and get and get credit as long hmm. as you're trying. You're gonna get your credit, or don't do it and get a zero. Like and and totally up to you. And and this is where I say like before, like I mean it. Right. Like if you choose not to do this today, I'm not gonna say anything. Right. You're just not gonna get credit. So it's totally up to you. Right. Here's here do this assignment. Or, or don't. Mm-hmm. And, and either one is fine. Totally up to you. And even if they originally choose, sometimes they'll choose, I'll take the zero today. Mm-hmm. And you just go, okay. Right. Over time. So in a short term, that looks terrible. Right. A kid took a zero. That's not going to go well. The micromanager would have said, somehow you have to get that right. kid to do that assignment so that they don't get the zero for the day. And like I said before, in the short term, that micromanager would get the win. In the, long, in the short term, I get the loss. Right. In the long term, though, I get the win because over time, that student will, because they feel control, mm. they will start to trust me. They will start to see the importance and the value. They will see that they have some freedom to make their own choices, mm. and they'll always start to choose. This is These are the results that I've had right. in my class. They'll always start to choose doing that assignment. Right. Whereas... The micromanager got the win that day, but over time, that kid will rebel because they feel stuck. They mm. feel like they have no choices. They feel like they're constantly being told what to do, mm. and they push back. Mm. And you'll end that that teacher or leader will get negative results over time. Whereas mm. the person who gives choices, even if there's ridiculous choices, there's really no choice. But here they are. Yeah, Go right. ahead. Over time, that ends up having right. infinitely more success. So. Uh, I'm thinking now when you're talking just in terms of success when it comes to adults. See, to me, the power of success is putting yourself in a situation where you have choices because now you can make moves and things. And I think a lot of people are are too specific in terms of this is this is what I want to do when I get to point B or whatever the case may be. Instead of saying this is the place where I want to be, where I can maneuver through whatever door is available to me. Um, I I think a lot of people are not successful in their personal lives because they only got one door to go through and they haven't created an, you know, an opportunity for other doors to come through. Um, when you take a look at what we're doing with the Empowerment Perspective podcast, um, or group, I'm sorry, um, the podcast is just one door. You know, we, we go out and do motivational speakings, another door, and that kind of, the podcast actually brought us together. And right. then, you know, that's going to open up some more doors. So uh, if, if I can, you know, say anything to people that are out there listening as an adult, your power, your greatest power in terms of being successful is to create as many opportunities. You can always turn them down. You can always say no. But if you, if you, don't, have any, you don't have any choices, you don't have any options. Now you have to go do what life gives you. Um, so how do you create choices for yourself? Obviously, education is one. Um, but also just having that grit and going out and trying stuff. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, my favorite 
ice cream is vanilla ice cream. You know how you know you know how I like vanilla ice cream. I found out I like vanilla ice cream. I tried it. I said you have to try certain things, even as an adult. You, and you also tried every other flavor. every other flavor. And you found out, I like all these, but this one I like best. Right. You don't know that you like that best if you didn't you try it. Try. So yeah. um, I definitely would encourage everybody <laughs> just to go out there and try some things. I never did podcasting before. So right. let's buy some equipment and see what happens. <laughs> and, you know, it just opened up more opportunities um, for not only myself, but the company as well. Um, I just want to go back into the book a little bit, going and sticking with the subtitle of the book. You said schools, schools are failing. Right. How are they failing? Well, we just, I mean, that's more of like a statistical issue. We say yeah. like, you know, you, uh, if you turn on the news anytime and they start talking about education and you say like, well, the United States is middle of the road or falling behind the rest of the world. A part of that is because the rest of the world was so far behind, behind. and backwards for so long and now it's a global economy and things are different. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are issues. I mean, you know, you just have to, I've been teaching now, you know, for 20 years, give or take coaching, teaching and coaching for 20 something years, almost 25 years. And there is a difference. Mm. And from from when I started, those teachers were saying there's a difference from when they started. So mm. there is clearly a difference, and we've been talking about some of those difference, uh, some of those differences. And there has been this evolution over time, um, away from those foundational skills that I was talking about. So, for example, like I, I have a picture in the book of a report card from a former colleague of mine from when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. So he's retired now. He's an older gentleman. I'm going to say maybe 65, 70. I'm not exactly sure his age. Like somewhere in that range. So we're going back to like the 50s and 60s when he was in uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. And there were two sections of this report card. The one section was character and hygiene. And then the other section was his actual academic classes. Right. And the character and hygiene section itself, like actual square inches, is larger mm. than the academic section. Now, that may have been just... Uh, an accident, it may just be coincidence, but I'm looking at it and say, there's a, I think there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And it's actually on the left of the report card, whereas the academics were to the right. Mm. It was put first. That was prioritized. Mm. Like the person you are, and this is really what, if, if, if I can narrow this book down to one concept, it is we need to stop focusing on the academic and put focus, like Focus and prioritize on developing people. Mm. That that's really what this is about: self-control, mm. the idea of being an individual, developing character. Mm-hmm. It's all about building good people. Mm-hmm. Um, I told you before, like it, you know, when someone isn't doing well in math, we give them more math, or right. different math, or a new program, or technology is going to solve it all. It's nonsense. If a person isn't ready or isn't willing to do the work. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do. I'll give you an example outside of um, outside of uh, academics. Um, if you were uh, into weight training, and you know you've been doing your bench press for a while, and your bench press just the the, the amount of weight you're pressing just isn't going up very much. Mm. Most people would say if, if if you use the academic model that we use now, somebody would come along and say you need to do more bench press. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's ever been serious about weightlifting will tell you that if you really want to increase your bench press, the best, not, not to say don't do bench press, but the best exercise you can do is to do the squat. Mm. And that's because you need to build a strong foundation. Right. Now that's liter- literally and figuratively what I'm talking right. about. Right. Like you have to have a good foundation. You have to become a good person. If we focused on that specifically like at the elementary level and mm. worked our way up with that, you develop good people. Good people do well. Mm-hmm. You're hard pressed to be like that guy's a he's a really good guy, good person. He's an absolute failure really? in life. <laughs> right. It just is, I mean I'm sure there are examples of that, and and probably if we delve deeper into the person's life, we would find that he wasn't as good a person as we thought. But for the most part, and on average, definitely mm-hmm. good people do well. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I'm talking about in this book mainly is let's get back to like the way that. My colleague's report card was hmm. the the value and importance of developing the individual, hmm. developing good people, and then you'll see math scores go up hmm. without having to spend an extra second on math. Hmm. You'll see math scores go up. You'll see language arts scores go up because good people do well. Right. right. So that's really what, what what I talk about. Like I get down to this, the foundation skills. These are the things that make people successful. Mm-hmm. Let's teach that, mm-hmm. and then you'll see everything, everything else do better. Right, right. I'm a big proponent of um, developing problem-solving skills in students. 
So at the end of the day, if you have them, and most of them have it already, they're just not connected to the content that right. you know they're teaching. But once you have the ability to solve problems, one, that's all you're going to be doing as an adult, solving problems all day long. But once you have that ability to solve problems, then math doesn't become so difficult to, for you because right. you already know how to solve a problem. It's just a matter of getting the right resources and so that you can connect to that, that content. Um, and then when you throw them being a great person on top of that, um, the sky's the limit for somebody that can, can do that yes. and have that ability to do that um, and but it, it goes back to what we were talking before about failure being final mm-hmm. there has to be a willingness to do that mm-hmm. for it to actually happen and we're not seeing that willingness mm-hmm. to continue when there's struggle mm-hmm. continue when there's difficulty to look for solutions mm-hmm. as opposed to saying this happened to me and it stinks and it right. shouldn't have okay well that's the case what do you do now right you know I had a student who um, had a family member uh, raped her mm. And I'm like, that's awful. I hmm. can't even imagine what that's like. And I go, so now what? Now what, right. Like, I'm not trying to deny that that is just unimaginable. Mm-hmm. I have two small kids. I have a seven and a five-year-old. The idea that somebody doing that, because that was when it happened to her, mm-hmm. like, it, it's hard to really even imagine it unless mm-hmm. you've seen it in action. I mean, that's right. just so hard. So it's awful. And I'm not trying to deny that it's awful. Right. But the world keeps going. Right. Nobody's slowing down. Nobody's like, oh, that happened to you? We're going to stop everything and and make some adjustments for you. Mm. It really doesn't work like that. And I just said, okay, that happened. It's awful. Mm. You need to deal with it and probably have to continually deal with it. But but now what are you going to do? Right. Um, And and that has to be part of what goes on. It can't just be. I'm not trying to say, like, just shut up and get over it, you know. Oh, you know, stiff upper lip kind of thing. That's right. not what I mean. But you do have to have some, you know, uh, um, some drive, some willingness to say, right. okay, that happened. Now what I'm going to do. Right. That's part of problem solving also. It's this mm-hmm. idea of like you have to have a willingness to solve these problems. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, oh, this isn't working. Forget it. I think, you got to say, oh, that, that, it, it, there's a curiosity that has to come along right. with that. This, this fascination and say, huh. That's how all problems are solved. That's how all things are created. Right. We look at something and we say, that's pretty interesting, but mm. could this happen instead? Could we touch the screen instead of clicking a button? Mm. Oh, you can't touch the screen. Huh. Next thing you know, you got an iPhone. Right. It has to come from some kind of, there's a problem, I need to fix, need to fix it. it. But there has to be a willingness to, to fix something. I think part of the problem too, when it comes to education, is students' perspective of education. Mm. So when I ask them, what's the job of a teacher? I get the common answer, you know, to teach. And I say, you're wrong. I said, that makes you passive. Now you're limited to the knowledge of that teacher. You're waiting for them to give you something so that you can regurgitate it back and hopefully get an A. I said, no, your job as an educator, we go back, I mean, as a student, we go back to this beast mode is to take your education. Right. I said, if, if, if you have, if every student had that mentality, a teacher could walk in and say, okay, we're studying, I don't know, the Holocaust. Here's the question that you need to answer. And they can walk out. Because now you have that perspective of, I need to go answer this question. So I go get my education. I have that willingness to learn. I know how to solve the problem. The teacher can become the facilitator and get out the way. Yep. But these kids are waiting for all this stuff. So they're waiting. That kid was waiting for an answer. How am I supposed to deal with this? How am I supposed to solve this problem? And they're waiting for this answer. It's yeah. making them really, really passive. Proactive as opposed to just letting it in. So that's one of those things that there's been a paradigm shift over time. And I'm talking like over 50, 60 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be someone would say to you, you need to go get an education. Mm-hmm. Now they say, we need to teach you. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's words, right? Mm-hmm. It's a word game, but it's a big difference in your mentality, how mm-hmm. you psychologically look at that. Yep. One of them, I'm doing it to you. Mm-hmm. The other one, you're going and taking it, it yourself. Yep. yep. Okay. Um, m- most of the people that are very successful are in some way or another in their specific field, even if they're um, traditionally educated, they're also self-taught. Mm-hmm. What most people are really good at is what they went and learned themselves. Right. Okay. Um, and that's that's something that I would I would like to see more emphasized is the idea of like you need to get your education. Mm-hmm. Really, like you're saying, take your education, right. as opposed to you know somehow we can crack your head open and pour in you know pie right. and uh, you know the Pythagorean theorem and we just dump it right in there and close it back up and you have and you it. Got it doesn't it. work. I don't. I don't, it's not something I do to you. Right. In the end, uh, education really is an individual sport. It's the mm-hmm. ultimate individual sport. Mm-hmm. We, like you said, teachers really are facilitators. Mm-hmm. Here's all this stuff. Here's how you might want to think about it. Um, you need to take it in. If you're if you're not a sponge, if you're a rock and not a sponge, it's not going in. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. Period. You have to be a sponge. You have to be a willing mm-hmm. participant 
to take that in. And that's such a huge... And that's the only way it works. Right. It doesn't work, like, by me just giving it. Right. Give you everything. You'd be the smartest person in the world. Um, You know, um, Warren Buffett, you know, multi-multi-billionaire in investing. If you... If he was just talking to you all day and you weren't listening to him, you would learn nothing from mm-hmm. one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Mm-hmm. But if you sat there with your eyes wide open and your ears open and you're writing things down, you're like, oh, and why wouldn't you, right? right. Like it's a, I use that example because it's like so extreme. Like this guy knows how to make money. I'm right. going to listen. Right. Okay. You would listen. Right. But what would you do? You're active. You're an active, active. participant in that. Yeah. If you're just thinking like somehow somebody's just gonna he, he could just give it to you, right. it's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work that way. No, I it's something you take on. It's not something that's just given. Given, right? You know, right. like a shirt or something. Even on a, the 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 very fundamental level, like I try to in every conversation I have with anybody, I try to learn something from them. Even if I'm talking to young people, especially young ladies, because I have daughters, so I'm like, well, at some point they're gonna be teenagers. I need to figure out how the teenage mind works so that I can address it better. I think people. Uh, when they especially have conversations and they just one waiting for their their turn to speak, but they're not they're they're not taking it in for the, the benefit of themselves. Like you know what I'm saying? So yeah. that whole perspective of of learning and and it, it just needs to be different. And we're just expecting people to give us stuff. Um, and if you look at companies like Twitter, um, those people that are successful, they can go out and get it. You know, no one gave whoever no. run Twitter. Here's Twitter. <laughs> Here you go, run it. it. It doesn't happen that way. They they go out there and they try to create those spaces and create those opportunities and just and it's just relentless with it. So yeah. um, we're I think we're doing a disservice to our young people because now you have to flip it. Once you get out of school, it's like you mean you're not going to give it oh to me? Oh my god! I, I say this all the time about you know you think you're helping a kid by 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 feeding them you know, force feeding them some things or like always placating to certain mm-hmm. needs. I say, you're actually crippling them. You don't even realize that. I know you don't, you don't mean it that way. Mm-hmm. You're not trying to hurt the kid, but the second they graduate, the entire world changes. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you're just expected to do things. No one's going to, no one's going to bail you out, you know, unless your parents can help you out. But like the, the world is not bailing you out. They're not going to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. You're going to be expected to do your job or you're going to tell you to take a walk. Mm-hmm. That's, that's like violently different than what goes on in schools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's, you know, part of that is accountability and stuff like that. And I right. think that has, that's another th- one of those things that has changed over time, are, uh, you know, accountability with students, but that's like a whole nother <laughs> day's worth of talking, yeah. you know, um, it, it is a, it is a drastically and radically different world when you graduate high school. Now mm-hmm. we're not really setting them up for, for what it takes to be mm-hmm. successful and what it's going to be like. Right. We're not even setting them up for college even, if no, you really think no. about it. Um, and there's so many of them are dropping out of college because they don't know how to think for themselves. Because yeah. in college, you have to think for yourself and prove that you're right. At the end of the day, this is what you're doing. Yeah. But they don't, you wouldn't even teach those skills going into the, into college. And that's wonder why we, especially at the doctoral level, like you might as well forget it. <laughs> They're not going to be able to ever do that. I know. Um, it's, it's I, was, I was talking with somebody the other day, a friend of mine, and they were talking about how his son in college now is, uh, you know, he grew up, my friend grew up. You know, middle class, mm-hmm. um, but he's he's just a real successful guy. And now his sons, you've got two sons. They never really, I, I used to term, they were really never left wanting. Mm-hmm. Like life, they're good kids. I don't mm-hmm. mean to say that they're spoiled or anything. It's not like that at all. Actually, they're really good kids, but they've never been left wanting. Right. So now they graduate high school and you know in a very nice you know community and they mm-hmm. go to college. And now the one son is like got turned down by uh, some group he wanted to join into college, and my buddy's like. Uh, he's not used to this. He's never real. Everything's just gone the way it's supposed to go. Right. Suddenly, like people say, nope, can't have it. Nope, you're not in. Nope, you don't get it. Mm. And the kid is having a hard time with that because things have come, you know, pretty easy, easy up to this point. And that's why I say, like, even in a in a real affluent community, you think that's good. Well, guess what? When everything's handed to you and then suddenly it's not, that's a radical change. change. It's a Absolutely. radical change. And so yeah. even if you look at all the successful people in the world, they've come from some sort of struggle. But most of them. Yeah. Oh, know? absolutely. So yeah. developing that grit and that, you know, that bounce back is a huge piece to anything that yeah. you can give the kids in, in general, whether it's school or your own children. Like, yeah. you know, I struggled that. And I mentioned this in a couple of podcasts ago. I was like, part of me is I don't want my kids to ever know or have that feeling of going through what I went through. Um, so that's my job as a parent. But at the same time, I feel like i got to manufacture struggle for them. That's almost so No, sad. yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that's a fair statement. It sounds a little funky, but yeah, like you got to manufacture some difficulties. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So one of, the, one of the, the, the three 
character traits that I talk about is persistence. Mm. It's this idea of like, you can't give up. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you know, we talked about it earlier when things are so at your fingertips and instant, if they're suddenly not, it's, it's just, it's clearly a problem where it's just too easy to quit. Right. Um, and persistence is something that again can be taught. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, you can put get another one that I talk about is responsibility. Mm-hmm. You can teach that. You mm-hmm. can teach self control. You can teach persistence. You mm-hmm. can. Uh, it's more scenario driven. Mm-hmm. It's not something you would learn out of a book. book right. But even the worst kid that you have, mm-hmm. the worst behavioral student that you have, can learn responsibility if you put him in a position to be responsible. Right. And you say, well, how do you do that? Because he's so he's so rough. Well, you start small. small right? Like you're in charge of opening and closing the door. Mm-hmm. But that's a success. Right. You, you know, I go back to before. I say you, when you can actually point to something like you're bad. Right. Well, okay. no, there's a reason you're bad. Okay. Well, you're good. Why? Right. Man, you do an awesome job with that door. That door is always the way it's supposed to be. I mean, I'm being simplistic right. here, but the door is always open when it's supposed to be open. It's always closed when it's supposed to be closed. Great job on the door. Right. That is something to build off of. Right. Now, the next thing might be you're the board eraser mm-hmm. every day at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That's responsibility. Right. That, these are big things. And persistence is the same way. Mm-hmm. You can put kids, like you're saying with your kids, you put them in a position where you pretty much know they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And then you encourage them to try again. Try, again. try it again. Right. Try it again. Video games, this is an area where video games are actually useful. <laughs> right. Because, you know... Nobody's good at it right off the bat. You right. know, you kind of stink at these games. I watch my son on his little Nintendo 3DS, and I'm like, how's he doing? It's right. like, but they go and they go and they go. Hey, and you can use that. You say, hey, did you give up on Mario Kart? Right. No, you tried it again and you tried it again, and then you got really good at it. It's right. just like that. It's not exactly the same, but it's just like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand. Mm-hmm. You, you you can build it. You know, hey, we're adults. Right. We're the grown-ups. Be a little creative. Come right. up with it. You're supposed right. to be a little smarter, smarter a little wiser <laughs> than the kid. You know, come up with something. Yeah, absolutely. Take a second. And that's that's another thing with adults. We get frustrated too quickly, and now we're not thinking rationally. We're not thinking clearly. We're not problem-solving oriented. We're more like, why isn't this happening? Mm. Hey, take a breath. Think about it for a second. Right. Like, wait one second. Actually, you might come up with something okay. as opposed to just getting frustrated and hot. Think for a second. You might be surprised what you come up with. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, you're the you're the grown up. <laughs> Develop that. something. Right. Think of something. Right. Well, <laughs> with my own kids, I started the process with um, their homework. I mean, they're seven and nine, and technically, you know, you want to check your child's homework when sure it's right. So me and my wife decided to, you know, we're not checking homework anymore. And, and so we started there, and then my oldest was like, "What do you mean? You know, I'll, all right, whatever." And then my youngest, she was even thought even further and was like, "You know what?" And she argued that she had this problem, right? And it was wrong. And I was mm-hmm. like, sorry, we're going to learn from it. Yes. She went, to, she went to school the next day and asked the teacher the question. When I'm even prompting, you know, she asked the question and then came back. And then she felt bad that she got the, the answer wrong. But just that little bit of, you know, letting them, giving them space to go out and fail. And fail a little bit. And fail a little yeah. bit. And then let them try to try to fix it. Um, and my oldest daughter, she's just like at the point now she's relentless with everything. Like she's she's going to master it. Like she basically right. taught herself to ride her own bike. She, she's cheerleading. She, she's upset that her routine isn't perfect. Like she'll practice for hours yeah. and hours and hours. It's to the point now I can just let it go, let that go. Yeah. Cause she's, she's learned how to overcome her failure. She learned how to get persistent, persistent and go after the things that um, she wants to do. It's um, vital. It's I mean, absolutely. it's absolutely vital. And absolutely. the fact that your kids do that and any other kids out there who, who are doing that, you're way ahead of the competition. Mm. Just that one thing that you're willing to continue to try even after you mess up, mm. that's your that's light much. ears away from, I don't know, maybe 70, 75% of the population, mm. of, you know, people your age. There's just, they, they get, we give up too okay. easily. Give I want you to plug the book. Where can you find it? Um, you can go to my website, petecolisano.com, P-E-T-E-C-O-L-L-E-S-A-N-O.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a link there to get it on Amazon. Or you could just go straight to Amazon. Um, you just plug in School Sucks uh, or my name and it'll come up. There's a uh, paperback version and a Kindle version. Mm. So, you know, feel free to get both. And uh, and then check out the website. You can get my newsletter that comes out. Um, I, it's like a, you know, my website's a blog. So... 
I have updates all the time, and I love comments. I, I mean, I love getting <laughs> feedback from people. All the negative stuff is good too. I don't care if you don't like it, if you disagree with something, that's fine. I take it all. I love, I love the back and forth. So uh-huh. That's where, that's where it's fun. What are some other things that you're into? I know you do some speaking, um, just in case. Yeah, um, I've done some speaking with the uh, NJA, the teachers uh, convention every year. I've done some stuff with Stockton University, a couple parents groups. Um, we were just talking with a bunch of teachers on Friday. Um, about how to introduce mindfulness and meditation into your classrooms in our district, the HT. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's in its infancy because it's, it's a relatively new thing to bring into school. Um, because I work at Eagle Academy, uh, we've got alternative school, we mm-hmm. try alternative things. We've seen some unbelievable results. Mm. Um, we don't, we're not able to track all the kind of data and try to directly, you know, point to mindfulness, but I always say, when people say, do you have any kind of data? I said, I got one specific data. I said, I haven't written up a kid at Eagle Academy in two years. Mm. And those are at-risk kids. I mean, that just doesn't happen. It doesn't mean nobody is. Mm. And it doesn't, I'm not trying to say that's the only reason. Mm. Um, a lot of the things that I talk about in the book, I've done myself. Right. So now I'm I'm developing better relationships with my students than I did in the past. And that has a lot to do with it too. Mm. But when you see that their patience is increased, mm. um, that they're much more focused that you're spending less time on classroom management and meaning more time on task. Mm. Um, these are these are very clear. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a clear, distinct difference from the way things used to be. So I've been asked to talk about that with administrators, kind of show them what that would look like, how you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as difficult as it may seem, but it's so off the path of what most teachers are doing in their classroom. If you're a math teacher and you've never done meditation, like you, re- you seriously asking me to do this? So there are some, you know, there's some trepidation that right. comes with that, and I'm trying to help people understand that it's it's not, it's it, you know, the whole purpose of it is to not have that, is mm. de stress, not right. to increase, increase stress. It. Right. So, um, but I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised with the way a number of teachers are getting interested in it. Mm. They want to do it, and I'm really, you know, very happy with the idea that administrators are mm. are looking into it and want to do it. Now, we all want our kids to, to do really, really well. Mm-hmm. And going back, you know, circling back to the book, if they're not able to focus and do work that needs to be done, they're just not going to do well. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness and meditation is one way to get there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're more focused, if you're more settled, if you're not stressed out and frustrated, you're going to do better. Yeah, you're better. Whatever, right? the, whatever the activity may be. Again, as I said before, these are not just skills for school. But they should be used in school. Right. You know, if I told you that 60% of Fortune 500 CEOs practice meditation, why wouldn't you at least consider it? Right. Like these are the ultimately successful people who are working in some of the most highly stressful jobs Mm. on the planet and they're doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I think I would want to at least investigate Mm -hmm. it. I'd want to at least give it a try. I I did it myself long before um, I ever did it in a classroom. And because of that, I'm able to convey to my students like, you like feeling good, right? right? I mean, if you like feeling good, then give this a shot. It's five right. minutes, right. you know? So um, it's exciting to see, um, you know, some people come into mindfulness and meditation from like a spiritual angle. Uh-huh. For me, it's purely performance. Mm. I, I want better performance. I don't care about, you know, crystals and levitating <laughs> and all that, you know, <laughs> candles and all that. Yeah. I don't need it. I want to do better. Right. I want to be better. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better teacher. Mm. All those things have happened. And passing that on to my students and watching them improve, be more focused, be more relaxed, be, be ready to go, be more willing to mm. do things. It's a massive benefit. I think it'll help a lot of people. It's awesome. Yes. And it'll help the teachers themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're less stressed, then your your students have better radar than anybody you'll come across in your entire life. And if they right. see that you're all stressed out and freaking out, they're going to feel that. They're going to know it. Mm-hmm. But if they see that you're relaxed and calm and confident, mm-hmm. they're going to see that too. Mm-hmm. And they're going to react to that as well. That's a, that's a message for you too, parents out there. Uh, that you definitely can learn. Um, you know, that the meditation and mindfulness so that you can be focused on raising your kids and also not reacting so harshly all the time. I mean, you know, we have a lot of stresses as parents and you have long days and the last thing you want to do is help little Johnny with his algebra. I get it. But at the same time, um, we have to be and you know, in the right frame of mind and, and he doesn't need you yelling and screaming all the time. It's a 24 hour, seven day a week job. Mm-hmm. And here's the kicker. You, you, you can't fail. Nope. No. You can't fail. <laughs> no, you can't. You know, so. It's awesome. And you'll never be fired. 
<laughs> the job will be there regardless. Regardless. So yeah, you might as well do it well. That's awesome. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, we're going to definitely put your book and uh, website things on our website so we can do some cross-promotion things here. Definitely want to do some work with you in the future. Absolutely, yeah. Um, definitely love to have you back on the podcast. And um, hopefully, and uh, I know Kareem's probably on his way, so we'll probably do something I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we'll figure something else to talk about for the next <laughs> There's hour. always something to talk about. Come on. To talk about. Uh, so I'm going to leave this one with today's lesson. It's one that I posted on Facebook earlier, and it's titled, In Order for You to Win, You Got to Go In. Listen, people, stop procrastinating. Stop making excuses. Stop waiting for tomorrow because tomorrow is not guaranteed for us. You are built to be phenomenal. You have the tools and the ability to be successful today. If you believe in yourself, surround yourself with positive people that are doing great things and and um, make sure you just focus your energy in the right directions and, and just try things and keep trying and, when it, and expect to fail because it's going to happen. Bounce back up and keep going after it. Um, every single day I wake up and I try to live uh, my day better than I did the day before and see whatever opportunities I can create. So in order for you to win, you got to go in. you got to put in that work and you've got to really, really work. Um, I had an opportunity to speak to Russell Simmons a long, long time ago. And he said, you can't be a millionaire eating cheese sandwiches and drinking wine every day. You have to put in the work. You have to, you know, get your grind in. So um, today's lesson is about you putting in that work. Um, we definitely want to thank Pete for being on the show. Any last words for our lovely audience out there? No, I just uh, will reiterate what you just said. You got to go out there and do it. I, I tell people all the time, I love failing because mm. every time I fail, I learn something new. Learn and something. It, gives me, it gives me more power, more inspiration to do something else to move forward with it. So Absolutely. everything you just said is 100% spot on. Sweet. Thank Don't you forget for having me. No problem. Definitely going to have you back here. Don't forget to follow us on iTunes. We're on Podbean or on Twitter or on LinkedIn, Facebook every social media outlet out there YouTube I promise we're coming with the video we're super duper close we're coming with the video element so I know a lot of you just you're not you know podcast people you'd rather see us in my beautiful face you might not um, want to see me so. <laughs> definitely gonna have you on there don't forget follow us too we're hitting the road i keep mentioning it. we're hitting the road in april hitting the road to harford we're going to syracuse pittsburgh we're going to detroit we'll be in a d um, we also be in chicago orlando's coming up so um, we're doing some big things here we got some programs coming out hopefully we're, we're shooting for 2019 for some of these major projects um definitely and i'm gonna hit you up Pete. We're going to have a, um, a conference, um, not just for educators, but just for uh, people that want to have some self-empowerment. So, you know, we'd love to have you on to have a session on whatever it is that you want to talk about. Part of it. And uh, we're going to keep it going. So um, until next time, stay empowered.